Welcome to your headquarters for knowledge and helpful advice on a variety of topics, all from trusted experts in their fields. It's time for River City Podcast. We're chatting with Sarah Bradley. Sarah's the communications manager at Wilton Construction, Fire, and Water Services. We love sitting down with Sarah for tips on protecting our home and our families, our businesses, because really Wilton Construction sets the gold standard in property restoration. They're locally owned, which we love to support, and they're celebrating 40 years of treating Richmond with honesty and integrity. And today we are also joined by Dr. Dan Moore. Dr. Dan is the owner of RevMed in Richmond, Virginia. He's a primary care physician on the West End of Richmond whose practice is revolutionizing medicine. Learn more about Dr. Dan by going to rvadpc.com. So a lot of amazing things about this state we live in, Virginia, but some tricky things as well. One of which is this crazy humidity combined with the rainy days and especially at the time of year we're at right now in the spring. So a whole higher level of mold than in some of the drier states and mold kind of grows wherever moisture and humidity is present. So Sarah with Wilton Construction, we're glad you're here to tell us a little bit about what some of your customers are finding related to mold issues around their house. One of the main areas that our customers are seeing, and honestly, anybody that owns a home is going to see, is mold in your crawl space. That's one of the main areas to focus on. If you had a crawl space inspection or don't even know what the heck is under there. Or where it is. Or where it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whether or not you have one. There's a good chance that you have mold. It's a really high chance there's mold under your home. I said, especially if you haven't been under there. There are cases where somebody will have their crawl space encapsulated, absolutely know what's going on under their home and every corner, every crevice, they know, you know, there's, if they're properly clean, they're doing really well maintenance on their home. So we're not talking about those homeowners because that's one of the best ways to make sure that you can avoid having mold is just to do proper care and maintenance. But typically we see mold in crawl spaces, kitchens, bathrooms, wet areas, especially now that it's starting to get a little warmer. We're going to start turning our ACs on here soon and having condensation on windows and start seeing more moisture inside of the homes, which can be a breeding ground for mold, really. Let's say we are the homeowner who doesn't know where their crawl space is, doesn't know where it is, hasn't had it checked in forever. What is the process that they should do to turn that around? Is it start with having an inspection? Absolutely. And just calling somebody who knows what they're looking for. We do free crawl space inspections. So if you don't know what you're looking for or kind of you know nervous to even go under there, then definitely call a professional like Wilton to come out and check it out for you. Let's say somebody wanted to be brave enough to go and check it out themselves. What kind of things are they looking for? What are the very identifiable things that tell you you might have a mold issue? One of the easiest things to spot is going to be discoloration of wood. So of any surface underneath of your home, the beams, check the subflooring. Sometimes you may even see wet insulation, which is a really key indicator that you're going to have some kind of active leak, which will cause mold, especially as it gets warmer. But just looking for dark areas that may look like a wet surface or wet material, look for anything that looks discolored or is not a consistent color with the rest of the materials that are under your home. Maybe it's green, yellow, white. Let's say that somebody does find some signs that they have a mold issue or perhaps they've reached out to a company like Wilton and and there's an issue. What does that removal process look like to get them kind of back on track and safe again? So it really depends on how severe 
it is, the square footage of the mold damage. If it's something that's under 10 square feet, then we'll handle that within our team. If it's something that's 10 square feet or over, then we will have a hygienist come in and examine it and kind of give the contractor a protocol to follow to remove it. But if it's something like a windowsill or a shower tub surround, you're going to want to use an alkaline cleaner. You can use Lysol, Dawn dish soap, anything that's alkaline where you can spray onto a towel and clean that off. It's going to be an easy fix for the homeowner. But if it's 10 square feet or over or 10 square feet or under and it's a severe case, then we'll come in and assess what's going on. We may need to remove the damaged materials and replace it. Maybe it's something where, you know, we got to come in and dry it out. It really just depends on case by case. That's sort of the options, having the material replaced altogether or treating it if it's possible to treat it. Absolutely. Yeah. If it's small enough, then we may recommend just treating it or we can absolutely help the customer treat it. The mold that we all see, especially for the bathrooms, there definitely are bathrooms from back in the day that didn't come with fans. And if that's your bathroom to shower in a lot of time, you're just, you're going to see mold on the shower curtain and different places. How do you differentiate between that, I guess, common house mold and the mold that gets a little more serious? When you clean an area of mold and it comes back, that is a really great indicator that you have an ongoing problem. So you have a refrigerator leak and you know you pull out your refrigerator to clean it and you see mold, that's something where you're going to need to call somebody in and get help with that. But if it's something where, like we said before, mold around your tub surround or your shower, then that's absolutely something that the homeowner can take care of themselves, provided they're using the proper cleaners. Well, let's talk about that because everyone I know is super obsessed with bleach when it comes to mold and they're putting it in a spray bottle and just spraying everything down that has any signs of mold. What is your suggestion as far as using bleach for mold? Bleach is one of the most common misconceptions when it comes to cleaning mold. I mean, somebody hears mold and they're like, break out the bleach. The only thing that bleach does for mold is change the color of it. It doesn't actually clean it. It just bleaches it. Like I said before, you're going to want to use an alkaline cleaner. You're going to want to use Lysol, Dawn dish soap, something You can spray onto that towel and wipe it off versus bleaching it because bleach, all it does is change the color of it. We're just literally not seeing it anymore. And it's there. It's now become an invisible monster. Absolutely. That's terrifying. If you are spraying any kind of cleaner directly onto the mold, all that's doing is potentially making it spread where it's shooting mycotoxins out into the air and, and causing that mold to spread even more. So making sure you spray onto the towel and then cleaning that mold um, or wiping it down to clean it is going to be the best course of action. I'm so glad you're here today because this is something that we all really desperately needed to know. And I think it's also interesting that you said one of the solutions is Dawn because like what doesn't Dawn do? It saves the animals in the ocean when there's spills. It gets rid of stains. We actually found out when you mix like Dawn with hydrogen peroxide, you can actually get stains out of carpet unbelievably. Probably get stains out of anything with Dawn dish soap. Okay, fabulous. So if somebody's seeing some mold in their bathroom, they can use some of the strategies you gave. Don't use bleach. Spray some of those solutions that are acceptable onto a fabric to be able to then clean. For a bathroom, is there ever a time where we would need to call 
Wilton. When, I guess I'm trying to differentiate, if it's not a crawl space, if it's not something under the house or the refrigerator that's a leak, are there ever times like in a regular bathroom where the problem is significant enough that we need help? If you open your vanity in your bathroom and you see mold on the bottom of your vanity and you go to clean it with your alkaline cleaner and it keeps coming back... That's a really great way to kind of differentiate, okay, this is an area that really doesn't see moisture a lot, but for whatever reason, whether it be a leak or a spill of some kind that is continuously coming back, the mold could be growing in areas that you're not even aware of. It could be going underneath your vanity, up the wall behind the vanity. And those are areas that you won't even see unless you physically go in and remove that vanity. And that's something that we do. You know, we have, we bring in our moisture meters and our equipment to be able to check to make sure that there isn't mold present where we just can't see it. It's also possible that say you do have a leak and you're not 100% sure whether or not you cleaned it up properly. It could be growing underneath of your flooring and between your flooring and your subflooring. That causes further damage. If it goes unseen or untreated, that could be damaging the structure of your home. There are so many different things that can happen if mold is left untreated. You said a moisture reader. So that means you don't need to take a hacksaw to our wall or our flooring in order to find out? It's case by case, but okay. not every single time, no. <laughs> That's awesome. So it just reads, hey, this is a little not normal. We probably need to get yes, in there and yeah. see. Yeah, it'd be great to have a professional come in and just double check. So there's also this fear we all have of black mold, and we wanted to find out just how serious black mold really is. So we're calling in Jesse Black, the mitigation manager for Wilton Construction, to learn a little bit more. Hey, can you hear us? Yep. Hi. So we're talking to Jesse Black, who's the mitigation manager at Wilton Construction. And Jesse, one of the things we wanted to reach out to you about was that we always hear people talking about black mold, you know, the scary black mold. It's almost like a monster that everybody's terrified of. So we wanted to see if you could just kind of differentiate between like regular scary mold and super scary black mold. Black mold's kind of been glorified in the media, and um, it's just one of those things, any type of mold in any abundance, black mold per se is not any worse than another mold. Any abundance, stachybotrys is one of those black molds that I think the whole thing came about. Black mold, stachybotrys, and those are the, the bad ones. So now every, everybody sees mold and they think it's black mold. The best way to go about identifying something is getting their samples done, tape samples done, and have them cultured and, and see exactly what you have there. So we don't need to go to sleep tonight being scared of the black mold anymore? Correct. Wow. I wonder how that started. How that whole black mold thing got, was it a social media post? Like where did that start mm -hmm. where people were so there freaked was, out about it? There was some landmark litigation in Texas, which identified stachybotrys in a doctor's home and related it to memory loss. Their case, they had a, a water damage that wasn't treated correctly and over the years got worse and worse and worse. And they were living with it for a prolonged period of time. Which, so it was basically, you know, litigation case came to light and that's where it came from. It all starts with a litigation case. Thank yep. you so much, Jesse. We appreciate your insight into that and hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you, you too. Bye. And speaking of mold and how quickly it can grow, spores with some varieties begin germinating in as little as four to 12 hours. It's really important to also be aware of the health risks that can be associated and kind of vital to understand how to eliminate it if it does come into your home. But because of the mold causing health risks, we brought in Dr. Dan Moore and we're so happy you're here, Dr. Dan. Can you tell us a little bit bit about some of the effects of mold on our health. Yeah, mold is something that for the most part we deal pretty well with, kind of like bacteria in 
large part, it's just something that's always in the environment and we kind of always encounter it. What Sarah's describing is absolutely when you're getting much higher concentrations of it and it can pose a threat to people through a few different ways. The biggest is usually having to do with our respiratory tract and that can include the nose, throat, the airways within the lungs and leading to the lungs and then the lungs themselves are the areas where we probably see the biggest concerns having to do with mold. You can get it on the skin, of course, as well. It can be very difficult for people to treat effectively. What did you just say? Did you say you can get it on your hands, on your skin? You have mold on your skin. The question is, is it growing? You have a couple of different types. You're talking about the difference between colonized. If you're colonized by something, I remember my lectures from ID correctly. It was commensal bacteria, but the stuff that lives with us and that really we'd probably, frankly, be in trouble if didn't live with us versus something that is a pathogen, something that's invasive or harmful or noxious to us in some way. You have mold on your skin because mold is literally everywhere. It's a question of how much there is. And if you want to ask how much is too much, the answer, at least from a medical perspective, is, well, if it's causing a problem or not. There's no safe levels of mold and there's no unsafe levels of mold. It's the mold causing an issue is what we rely on. And so there are some people that are more susceptible to having a reaction to being around mold. How would you describe those people? There's certainly some types of mold, blastomycosis, some of these other histoplasmosis, these more rarer types of mold that are found in places like the Ohio River Valley and some areas, frankly, the south. But any of the mold that you encounter in a house, which is usually not going to be these types of mold, really poses a threat to anyone if it's in high enough concentrations. More of a problem for people with conditions like asthma or cystic fibrosis, where they already have a pre-existing illness in their respiratory tract, and then you throw a load of mold on top of that, and they're going to have a much harder time dealing with it. Also, people who are immune compromised, really a threat for people who have to be on immune suppressants. So that's anybody who has uh, like a solid organ transplant, sometimes, especially when people are going through bone marrow transplant, things like that, where their immune system is really compromised. And mold then has a much easier time of getting inside the body and actually kind of growing out of control. Would you say that that there is a difference from a health risk perspective from having maybe a couple months, we didn't check our crawl space. Wilton came out, we found out there was mold. We've been kind of having some issues maybe with breathing and things, or it's been five years and we've been living in the house and not knowing. That's a good question. I think the second is more of a problem, more because it's harder to detect because people who will have an issue like that, especially if it begins slowly, might not even realize that it's happening. Whereas if somebody all of a sudden has a rapid onset of symptoms and they can clearly link it to, hey, every time I go to so-and-so's house or every time I'm in the den or something like that, I start running at the nose profusely. And then when I leave, it suddenly gets better. There's a lot more to say about that, but that's usually, I would say, it's probably more of an issue if it's been for a long period of time and you're just not aware of it. We finally traced it back. I worked at a station once that had significant issues with moisture and the back wall in my desk was towards that. And every time I went in, I had issues with breathing and then I'd leave and I'd be okay. You'd and, be fine. Yeah. yeah. As soon as you get away from it, that goes into what do you do to treat it? And people will be like, hey, I think I need to be tested for mold. And you can test 
for certain types of molds and you can look for certain things, but it's in rare cases, is it going to be an issue where it's harmful to your health? That's actually going to be something that you can necessarily detect with a test. I mean, in your case, that test would have been, hey, when I'm here, this happens. Right. When I leave, it goes away. Sometimes the symptoms can take hours to develop when you're sitting around that area. And then sometimes they might develop later on. So it can be kind of a mystery. You have to work backwards in a detective mm -hmm. sense. And the symptoms can be kind of vague. But if you're noticing particularly a location within a home, I mean, that's really easy or within a building to say, hey, maybe I don't see any mold, but every time I come here, I get a massive headache. My nose runs and I get itchy all over. It only happens here in this place. That's a big clue that it's the environment, not the person that's having an issue. Are there any long-term effects from having been exposed to mold? I mean, are they just symptoms that go away when the mold goes away? For the most part, like I say, our bodies are pretty good at getting rid of it. There are people who can essentially kind of get invaded by it, which is really bizarre. It does not happen often, but classically in people who may have a compromised immune system, and even sometimes that'll include people with like diabetes, particularly if it's poorly controlled, they'll get mold growing in the nose kind of uncontrollably. And then their symptoms are persisting all the time because they're being exposed to it because they They've actually got aspergillus that's growing inside their nasal cavity or people who are growing what we call a fungal ball in their lungs. And in those cases, I mean, those people are basically it's bizarre. But yeah, you do see stuff like that sometimes. So it's one of those zebras that oftentimes we're not really looking for. And yeah. obviously that kind of stuff is super uncommon. It's like a Dr. House episode. Exactly. It's something that you're usually looking for something else and you suddenly find that. But yeah, there's, for the most part, removing the mold should remove the problem. And if you're still dealing with it, let's say you found out there was a huge problem in your home. You can't really stay somewhere else, but you've got Wilton coming out. They're doing their thing. They're cleaning it. But in the meantime, you're having these symptoms. What would you treat that with? Is that a hay fever kind of thing? Is it Benadryl? It can depend. Yeah. So sometimes what you're saying is, OK, we need to tamp down the immune response while we get rid of this. Right. I mean, if you're talking about one of these crazy cases where somebody's actually got it growing, you got to get it out. Yeah. So you actually need to do surgery usually to extract things. Yeah, let's just basic reactions, allergic reactions. Yeah, so if you've got something going on that's on a milder case, for the most part, we're going to treat that with antihistamines and stuff that we would use for allergies. Sometimes when people are colonized with it, but it's starting to get out of control, then we'll treat them with topical antifungals. Or we will on occasion give people actually stuff to take orally that will go throughout their system. And of course, you go into a hospital setting, you can do all kinds of things with antifungals. But that's usually not necessary. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that for the most part, when we're trying to treat somebody with mold exposure, we're calling somebody like Sarah or an industrial hygienist or somebody like that who can actually get rid of the mold because your immune system should be able to take care of it once we... Get remove the source. That's the first thing, yeah. Well, I appreciate you both being here today. It is vital in our area to understand how to deal with this stuff, how to identify it, how to make sure that you get proper treatment if you've been exposed to it. And I just appreciate you guys helping us keep our community safe. 
Thanks for listening to River City Podcast. If you're interested in setting up a podcast for your business, go to rivercityconsulting.com 